Hello, and welcome to the teaching ministry of Impact Family Church. For more information, including service times and directions, or to find out more about us, you can visit our website at www.impactfamilychurch.com. We trust you'll be blessed by today's message. Philippians chapter 1, let's start in verse number 3. I thank my God upon every remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine, making requests for you all with joy for your fellowship in the gospel from the first day until now, being confident of this very thing, that he who has begun a good work in you will complete it until the day of Christ, Jesus Christ, just as it is right for me to think this of you all, because I have you in my heart, inasmuch as both in my change chains and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel, you are all partakers with me of grace. He said, you are all partakers with me of grace. The older King James says, you are all partakers of my grace. Another translation, the uh, Young's literal translation says, all of you being fellow partakers with me of grace. So Paul was saying that the grace of God that was on his life that he had partaken of, they had partaken of it as well. Now, when you talk about grace today, it seems that some people only have one view of grace and only see one side of grace. But actually, there are different kinds of grace spoken of in the Bible. Fundamentally, there are three kinds of grace. There is, first of all, saving grace. For by grace you were saved through faith that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. So there is the grace of God, the unmerited favor of God by which we are saved and accepted by God. Then there is another type of grace spoken of in the Bible and it's favoring grace. You remember that the Bible says that Jesus as a young child, that he grew in in grace and in favor in stature rather, and in favor, that word favor is grace. He grew in stature, that means he physically grew, but he also grew in favor with God and man. So there's a side of grace in the Bible that refers to uh, the favor of God. When God's grace is upon someone uh, in this uh, uh, capacity, it causes people to favor them. It causes people to to be uh, uh, favorably dis, uh, uh, inclined towards someone. So that's favoring grace. There's different examples of that uh, in the Bible. And then there's another kind of grace, and it has many different subcategories, and it is serving grace. There is a grace that comes upon us to serve God, and it's a gift that, and it's an it's a gift that enables us. It gives us abilities uh, with which we serve God that that are divine, that are supernatural. They're not just natural abilities. They're abilities that come from this grace that comes upon our lives. And so the Bible talks about different types of serving grace. There's giving grace. There's a spe- now all people, all Christians are supposed to give, but then there is uh, a special grace that comes upon people, and anybody can have it if you want it. 
And, uh, and so the Bible talks about grace that came upon, for instance, the churches there. They were especially given grace to give. And he said, you gave even beyond, uh, you know, what you could even give. You got, you gave beyond what was, uh, what was even natural or, or could be explained. That was because of a grace of giving. There is a ministering grace. Generally, uh, the Bible says that, that we minister to God in different ways because of his grace. And uh, then there are specific ministering uh, uh, graces that has to do with a person's calling. A person is graced in a particular way uh, to fulfill a particular call of God upon his life. Uh, all the different five-fold ministries uh, 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 correlate or are, uh, uh, are represented by a different grace. There's a grace upon apostles that aren't upon, that aren't upon pastors. There, there's graces upon pastors that are not upon apostles. And so there are different kinds of ministering graces. And... Uh, and so when Paul said here, he said that you are partakers with me or you are like the literal translation, Young's literal translation says you are fellow partakers with me of grace. If you go back and, and look at Paul's epistles and study all the places where he talked about the grace of God that was upon him, every, almost every time it was in reference to the ministry that God had given him and the message that God had given him. Both, I'll say that again, both the message and the ministry. He was especially, remember he said over in Galatians, when the apostles who were in Jerusalem before him perceived the grace of God that was upon him to go to the Gentiles, just like Peter was graced to go to the Jews, then they extended the right hand of fellowship to him. So when Paul talks about his grace, he's almost always talking about the 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 divine enablement of God's grace that equipped him for his unique ministry. And his ministry was very unique in New Testament times. And, uh, and so this, this scripture says, again, you are partakers with me of grace. And so a lot of times, you know, in, in this church, you're well, uh, well aware of the fact that uh, we uh, talk about Kenneth Hagin and, and if you've been to this church any length of time, you know my connection to, to Brother Hagen. I started reading Kenneth Hagen's books in the uh, early 1970s when I got back into fellowship with the Lord in the Church of God. Uh, uh, Betty's here this morning and, and Sue, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, Sue, you all look alike, you know. Sue's here this morning, her sister Betty, uh, her other sisters and seconds next to her, their mom, they were all in the same church with me when, when this happened in uh, North Jacksonville Church of God. And very early in my Christian walk, as I got back into fellowship with the Lord, uh, I, I uh, got a hold of Brother Hagin's books, started reading them, uh, listening to his uh, cassette tapes. Uh, eventually, I went off to Bible school, went to his Bible school, Rhema Bible Training Center, and... Uh, uh, graduated from there, had more exposure to Brother Hagen. And then over the years as a pastor, you know, uh, uh, I always considered that this church was an extension of the ministry that God had given to Brother Hagen because God had called us to teach the same truths, the, same, the things that had revolutionized my life and made such a difference in my life, I in turn taught uh, to this church and, and, and it's changed all of your lives. Uh, over the years, you know, we grew closer to Brother Hagen and we went to, my wife and I uh, uh, went to many, many, many of his uh, meetings, Holy Ghost meetings and different things around the country. We were privileged to be introduced to him and have some 
fellowship with him one-on-one and, and uh, uh, became, you know, somewhat close to him in that sense. And, and uh, so he's a very important person in my life and he's a very important person in all of our lives. But sometimes people can get uh, a little religious about things and they can begin to say, well, you know, we're not supposed to follow a man. You know, the, you, the Bible teaches don't follow a man. Well, uh, let's look today at what the Bible really says about following men. And first of all, I want you to go to 1 Corinthians chapter 3. 1 Corinthians chapter, chapter 3. What does the Bible say about following men? First of all, the Bible says it can be divisive to be a follower of men. In uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 1 through 9, Paul said, and I, brethren, could not speak to you as to spiritual people, but as to carnal, as to babes in Christ. I fed you with milk and not with solid food, for until now you were not able to receive it, and even now you're still not able, for you are still carnal. Now, why did he say they were carnal? He said, you're baby Christians, and I can't even feed you with solid food. I have to feed you with spiritual Eye droppers, you know, of food, just, you know, spoon feed you. And why did he say they were, uh, they were carnal? He said, because, uh, there are among, there are there, excuse me, for where there are envy, strife, and divisions among you, are you not carnal and behaving as mere men? He was saying they're carnal because you're, you're divided. You have envy and strife. Well, what was the source of that envy and strife? For when one says, I am of Paul, and another, I am of Apollos, are you not carnal? Who then is Paul, and who is Apollos? But ministers through whom you believed, as the Lord gave to each one. I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. So then neither he who plants is anything, nor he who waters, but God who gives the increase. Now he who plants and he who waters are one. And each one will receive his own reward according to his own labor. For you are God's fellow workers We are God's fellow workers and you are God's planted field or God's husbandry. So he talks about the fact that uh, they were following different ones. And people in the church there at Corinth were saying, I'm of Paul. And others were saying, I'm a follower of Apollos. He called that carnal. Let's go back to the first chapter and we get a little bit more insight in this. Chapter one, and look at verse number 10. He said, now I plead with you, brethren, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you all speak the same thing and that there be no divisions among you, but that you be perfectly joined together in the same mind and in the same judgment. Then he goes on to say, let me find my note here. Yeah, he says, for it has been declared to me concerning you, my brethren, by those of Chloe's household, that there are contentions among you. Now I say this, that each of you says, I am of Paul, or I am of Apollos, or I am of Cephas, or I am of Christ. Notice there were people in the church at Corinth that were boasting of the person they followed. And some were saying, well, I'm, I'm, of, I'm of Paul. Paul's my man. I'm a follower of Paul. Others were saying, I'm a, I'm a follower of Apollos. Apollos was a traveling teacher in the early church. And, there were, and he had had an impact there. It wasn't necessarily a great one, but he had an impact there in, uh, in Corinth and uh, different places. And uh, they were saying, I'm of, I'm of Apollos. Others were saying, well, I'm of Cephas. That's Peter. And then some were really proud. And they said, well, all you boys have your teachers, but <clears throat> I'm of Christ. 
you can, it just drips with, with arrogance, doesn't it? Uh, you guys have your teachers, but I'm of Christ. Well, there are a lot of people like that today. Say amen. They're very arrogant in their supposition that they, unlike everybody else, really follow the Lord. That's what these people were saying. Going over to the fourth chapter. Well, he says in, in verse number 13, let's get this first. Is Christ divided? Was Paul crucified for you? Or were you baptized in the name of Paul? No, he went on to say, he said, I didn't even baptize people. He said, God didn't send me to baptize. Chapter four, verse number six. Now these things, brethren, I have figuratively transferred to myself and Apollos for your sake, that you may learn in us not to think beyond what is written, that none of you may be puffed up on behalf of one against another. So the first danger there is in being a follower of men in this sense is it causes people to be puffed up. And that's really what Paul was arguing here. He wasn't arguing anything else, any other result of them following one or another other than the fact that it divided them and caused some to be puffed up over another's thinking that they were superior to someone else. So that's the first danger uh, in this type of thing. And the second one we can find in Acts chapter 21, Acts chapter 20, and let's look at verse 29. Acts chapter 20 uh, is uh, where we have the record of the first pastor's conference that was called in the church era. And uh, that begins in verse 17, it says, from Miletus, Paul sent to Ephesus, and called for the elders, that is the pastors of the, of the churches, and they came to him, and so he had various things to say to them. Verse 29, he said, I know this, that after my departure, savage wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. Also from among yourselves men will rise up, speaking perverse things. Now, when we, when we use the word perverse, very often it has, in our uh, culture today, it has a particular connotation of, of uh, you know, sexually twisted or something like that. It, it can mean that, but the word perverse here just means distorted or twisted. And it's talking about uh, teachings. He said, from among yourselves, men will rise up speaking distorted or twisted things to draw away the disciples after themselves. Notice he said that, the, that there would be savage wolves coming in. Jesus warned about that. Jesus warned that there would be those who come in sheep's clothing, but on the inside, he said they are ravenous wolves. And, and, they, and they divide the flock and they cause disciples to follow after them rather than the Lord. So uh, there is always that danger that people begin to follow a man uh, rather than following the Lord. But the Apostle Paul also talked about people following him and he, and he, and he taught it in a positive way. And so uh, let's look at some of those examples in 1 Corinthians 4. Let's go back there. We've already read verse 6. 1 Corinthians 4, <clears throat> verse 6. He said, I have transferred these things to myself and Apollos that you may learn in us not to think beyond what is written, that none of you may be puffed up on behalf of one against another. But here in this same chapter, he goes on and says, in verse number 14, he said, I do not write these things to shame you, but as my beloved children, I warn you. For though you might have 10,000 instructors in Christ, 
Well, Apollos would have been one of those instructors, obviously. He said, you may have 10,000 instructors in Christ, yet you do not have many fathers. For in Christ Jesus, I have begotten you through the gospel. Therefore, I urge you, imitate me. Now, in the older King James, it says, follow me. He said, I urge you, follow me. That word really means imitate me. Can you imagine Somebody today standing up and saying, now church, you need to imitate me. We almost would be embarrassed to say such a thing. But Paul said it. He said, and then he went on to say in verse 17, for this reason, what reason? That you may imitate me. For this reason I have sent Timothy to you, who is my beloved faithful son in the Lord. Notice, Timothy was his son in the Lord, who, were, who will remind you of my ways in Christ as I teach everywhere in every church. So Paul was saying that everywhere he went, in every church, he taught his ways in Christ. And he claimed here, he was obviously claiming to be their spiritual father. He said, you know, you, you have many instructors, but you don't have many fathers. In Christ, he says, I have begotten you through the gospel. Therefore, I urge you, imitate me, but he's saying imitate my ways in Christ. Let's go on down and turn to chapter 11 and look at verse number one. Chapter 11, 1 Corinthians 11, verse one. Imitate me, he said, as I also imitate Christ. Imitate me as I imitate Christ. Go over to Philippians chapter three. Philippians. We started in the first chapter. Let's go to the third chapter. Philippians 3, verse number 17. Yes. <clears throat> Wrong chapter. Verse, chapter 3, verse 17. Brethren, join in following my example and note those who walk as you have us for a pattern. Notice he told the church at Philippi, he said, join in following my example and you have us, he's talking about himself and the rest of his team, as a pattern to follow. And then in the fourth chapter, verse number nine, he said, the things which you have learned and received and heard and saw in Jesus, these do, and the God of peace will be with you. Is that what he said? Should he have said that? Would that make most people happy? Yeah. That lights everybody up, but that's not what he said. He said, the things which you have learned and received and heard and saw in me, these do and the God of peace will be with you. You begin to get, you begin to get the idea that Paul really had a, a, a pretty good uh, uh, opinion of himself. <laughs> but he wasn't boasting in himself. He was boasting in what the Lord had given him. And, uh, and then in First Thessalonians, turn over there, First Thessalonians chapter one, Verse number six. <clears throat> and you became, well, let's start in verse five. For our gospel, remember we, talk, we talked about his uh, concept of his gospel. He said, for our gospel did not come to you in word only, but also in power and in the Holy Spirit and in much assurance as you know what kind of men we were among you for your sake. And you became followers of us and of the Lord, having received the word in much affliction with joy, of the Holy Ghost. 
So Paul taught the churches that he ministered to to follow him, to follow his example as he followed Christ. Uh, Timothy had the same kind of relationship with him. There are several verses I could look at, but let's just go to 2 Timothy to make it a little quicker today. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse number 1, he's talking to Timothy. Now, this was not an epistle written to the churches, though it, it belongs to the church today, but it was specifically written to Timothy. He said, you therefore, my son... Be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. Now, this is ministering grace. This is not saving grace. This is ministering grace. He said, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus and the things that you have heard from me among many witnesses, commit these things. What things? Those things you have heard from me. Commit these things to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. And so again, you see that Paul not only instructed the churches to follow him, he instructed Timothy to follow him, and he referred to Timothy as his son in the faith. And other times he talked about how how Timothy, as a, I think we read it, as a devoted son had followed him. Uh, you know, the same thing is, is said today concerning uh, churches. In, in fact, in 1 Timothy, if you'll turn back over to 1 Timothy chapter 4 and look at verse number 12, He's talking to Timothy and he's talking to pastors because this is called pastoral epistles. First and second Timothy and Titus are called pastoral epistles. And uh, in verse number 12, he said, let no one despise your youth, Timothy, but Timothy, you be an example to the believers in word, in conduct, in love, in spirit, in faith, and in purity. You know, that's, the, that's one job of every pastor is to be an example to the people in what areas? In areas of word, in conduct, in love, in spirit, in faith, and in purity. And in fact, this has to really apply to, it it applies generally to other ministers, of course, uh, but it, it especially applies to pastors because pastors are the only people you can really follow like that. You can't follow brother so-and-so on TV. Not really. Because all you have is, is, and we've been over this before, all you have is a very carefully, nothing wrong with them. Not, I'm not dismissing this. It's, it's, it's necessary. You can't put on a television production without polishing it and preparing it and making it perfect. Isn't that right? But those things are packaged that way. You don't really get to follow the man and his life. You could really only do that effectively where your pastor is concerned. Uh, with that in mind, go over to Hebrews chapter 13. Hebrews 13, verse number 7. Remember those who rule over you, who have spoken the word of God to you, whose faith follow, considering the outcome of their conduct. Well, that would be, you could generally apply that, you know, to ministers in general, but specifically this has to be referring to pastors because he says, remember those who are the, the leaders, those who rule over you. And of course, we've taught on that. That doesn't mean ruling your personal life. It means ruling in the life of the church. He said, remember those who rule over you, who have spoken the word of God to you, whose faith follow considering the outcome of their conduct. So the Bible does teach in, in a good way following 
people, following men. He says, follow my example, follow the example of your pastor. There's something to follow there. But then he also said, the things that I've heard, that I've taught, the things you've heard from me and about me from many witnesses, he told Timothy, he's wake up, nudge your neighbor and say, open your eyes, it's church time. Uh, he said, the things that you've heard in me and from and, and about me from different people, he said, take those things, follow them yourselves, and teach other people. Amen? Well, glory to God. Well, should we do that? So is it right to follow men? It can be. It can be wrong to follow men, but it can be right to follow men. Because Paul said, follow me as I follow Christ. It has everything to do with what you mean by that terminology whether you're following them because they're wanting to build a kingdom of their own and draw disciples after themselves, or if you're following them as a pattern as they follow the Lord. And that's what the Bible teaches. Well, you know, Paul was just a common man. You know, we, we, we look at the Apostle Paul. I mean, he wrote, you know, the, all of the epistles or most of the epistles of the New Testament, tremendous apostle. But, you know, Paul wasn't born of a virgin. <laughs> You know, he, he was not a perfect person. He was born just like anybody else. He grew up, he did wrong, he sinned. You know, he, 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 uh, uh, he was unsaved, you know, at the time that, that he met Christ. In fact, he persecuted the church. He was, a, by his own admission, he was a, he was a murderer. And uh, so Paul was not a perfect man. He was just a man like you and me. Of course, God revealed some things to him. God raised him up and he became a tremendous man in the, in the New Testament, an important man. But my point is he was just a normal, ordinary man. And he didn't consider it uh, sacrilege to say, follow me. And nobody today will, would be alarmed if you say, well, I'm a follower of the Apostle Paul. I just love the Apostle. I, Paul, I follow Paul. Uh, as long as you're not being divisive about it and saying I'm better than somebody else who doesn't follow Paul, nobody would, would take exception with that at all. Well, uh, he said, as I follow Christ. All, everyone who followed Paul followed Christ because Paul was constantly pointing people to Christ. You, couldn't fo- you could not follow Paul truly and honestly without being in love with the Lord Jesus Christ and following him. Isn't that right? Amen. Well, many men down through the centuries, searching deeply into Paul's epistles, studying his life, feeding on his wisdom and the revelations that he gave, have found themselves seized with the same calling, the same vision, the same revelations that gripped his heart and motivated his life and ministry. We pointed out, you know, that when we read all those scriptures about, about the gospel, he said, my gospel, the gospel God gave me. He said, I, got, I didn't hear it from anybody else. I didn't get it from, from any of the other apostles. I received it from, by revelation of the Lord Jesus Christ. And then he said, I went up to Jerusalem to share with them the gospel that I preach. And it's, it said that when the other apostles heard the gospel that he preached, that they added nothing to him. Instead, they gave him the right hand of fellowship that he should go to the Gentiles like they went to the, to the Jews. And so uh, uh, Paul had 
a, a particular vision and he had a body of truth we call the Pauline revelation that no one else in the New Testament had like the apostle Paul had. He had a, a grip and an understanding of certain New Testament truths and he brought these things out in a way that nobody else did. Well, you know, down like I said, down through the centuries, many uh, preachers and ministers following after the apostle Paul, feeding on that Pauline revelation, have found themselves seized with that same uh, uh, passion for that message of, of our redemption in Christ. And we'll talk more about what that is. Uh, and then in more, me- in, in more recent ter- uh, times, men like A.J. Gordon, who lived in the, in the uh, uh, late uh, 19th century, uh, then a little later in the 20th century, Smith Wigglesworth, other men, uh, 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 Kenneth Hagin, different ones, uh, E.W. Kenyon, they all fed on the same scriptures, the same uh, message that Paul had, and they found themselves with the same kind of ministry, and that was the ministry that Kenneth Hagin had. He was a great follower of the Apostle Paul, and and the things that had so defined Paul's life and his teaching, those were the things that really defined Kenneth Hagin's teaching, and those are the things that really defined this church, because we have followed Brother Hagen, as he followed Jesus, and, and we followed Paul as he followed Jesus. We followed all these people as they followed the Lord. Amen? Uh, go back to, to 2 Timothy 1 again. 2 Timothy. Chapter 2. And let's look at Verse 1 and 2 again. You therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And the things that you have heard from me among many witnesses, commit these to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. Uh, you know, I'm a, I'm a partaker of the grace of Kenneth Hagin. The grace of God that was on his life because I followed him. And I followed him closely. And, uh, you know, you don't have to turn there, but there's, a, there's a, uh, a story over in the Old Testament where Elisha followed Elijah. And uh, he told Elijah, Elisha said, he says, as my soul lives and as the Lord lives, I will not leave you, I will follow you. And Elisha left everything he had and followed after Elijah. And then when it was time for Elijah to be called up into heaven, he told Elijah, Elisha, he said, stay here, the Lord has sent me to Gilgal. And Elisha said, nothing doing, I'm going with you, just paraphrasing it. Then he got to Gilgal and then he said, stay here for the Lord has called me to such and such a place, to Bethel and then to Jericho. So different places, he said, stay here. Every time Elijah said, I'm not staying here, I'm going with you. And then right at the end before Elijah was called up into heaven, he said, okay, Elijah, Elisha, what do you want? Tell me what you want. And Elisha said, I want a double portion of your anointing. Now, people have misunderstood that, and people today have tried to say, well, we need a double portion of the Holy Ghost. Well, there's not a double portion of the Holy Ghost. I mean, there's just one baptism in the Holy Ghost, and the anointing can be stronger, obviously, but there's not a double portion of the, of the Holy Spirit. What he was talking about, he's saying, I want a double portion of the anointing that's on your life. 
And if you'll read what happened in Elisha's ministry, he received a double portion of what Elijah had. He had twice as many miracles. Uh, I mean, it was phenomenal how God used Elisha. But he told Elijah, he said, I'm not leaving you. I want a, Elijah said, what do you want? He said, I want a double portion of the spirit that's on you, the anointing that's on you. And Elijah said something very interesting. He said, you have asked a hard thing. Nevertheless, if you're with me when I'm called away, it'll come on you. And if not, it won't happen. He said, you have asked a hard thing. If you go back and look at the Hebrew, literally what that says in the Hebrew, it says you have been hard in asking. You have been hard in asking. That word hard uh, also has the connotation of violence. And it's very similar to what Jesus said when he said the kingdom of God suffers violence and the violent take it by force. Only those who, who press in with all they have, he, he used that word violent, they take it violently. Well, that's what Elijah was saying to Elisha. He said, you, you are asking hard. You're asking violently. You see, uh, Elisha followed Elijah carefully, hung on his every word, followed him, and, and, and he received a great impartation when Elijah was called up, says that the mantle that was on him fell off of him and fell on Elisha, and Elisha went to, took that mantle and went down to the Jordan and smote the water, and the waters were divided. And all the other prophets said, ooh, the anointing that was upon Elijah has now come upon Elisha. There is a certain thing that happens when people follow people. And so Brother Hagin taught us very carefully about that when we were in Bible school, when he was just teaching to ministers. It's not things that he shared in public. He said, you have to be very, very careful who you follow in ministry. He said, but the, he said because the people are persons that you follow, if you read their material and just feed on their material and study their lives, he said, uh, you'll, you'll, you'll take something of the anointing that's upon them It'll come on you. He said, but you'll also take some of the characteristics of them that are good and bad. He said, so you need to be very carefully careful who you follow. And uh, he talked about different people that had followed men like uh, uh, John Alexander Dowie and men like William Branham who were mighty men of God. God used them in powerful, powerful ways here in, here in our nation. First of all, in the turn of the, of the 20th century to bring healing uh, to America, John Alexander Dowie, God used him. He's really the, the forefather of the healing ministry in America. And then when the healing revival came in the 1940s, William Branham was raised up. He was a great prophet. And there were people that followed them, just followed them, a lot like I followed Kenneth Hagin reading everything they said, following them. But the problem was those men had some, had some character flaws. And Brother Hagin told us, he said, be careful who you follow because you'll not only pick up the good, you'll pick up the bad. And for instance, uh, Dowie had a, a problem, and I know I'm running out of time here this morning, but this is interesting. Dowie, uh, in his lifetime, he got lifted up in pride and he began to refer to himself as uh, Elijah, who would, would uh, come before the second coming of Christ. He, would be a, he was the Elijah that was to come. He was, started calling himself Elijah. He got very off in doctrine. And Brother Hagin said uh, he noticed that the people that followed Dowie real closely, yeah, they had powerful healing ministries. He said, but later in life, they got off too.
Same thing with people that followed Branham. Branham, before he died, he, he said that he was the, uh, the, uh, the messenger of the, of the seventh church, you know, the Laodicean church. He said he was the messenger of the covenant and the messenger of the seventh church uh, uh, before the return of the Lord. Well, that's not scriptural. And he got off into error. People that followed him got off into error. So Brother Hagin always told us, he said, I've been very careful who I followed. He said, most of those people died young in ministry because they, because they were in error. That's what happened to William Branham at the height of his ministry. He was, he was taken out. And the Lord actually showed Brother Hagin. He said, the person that stands at the forefront of the prophet's ministry, he was talking about Branham. He said, he'll make a false move. The devil will take his life. And that's what happened. And Brother Hagin said that he was careful all of those years to, to, to pay real close attention to who he followed. He said, Brother Hagin said about himself, he said, I followed people who lived a long life and stayed true, stayed balanced, stayed accurate, stayed pure all of their life. He said, I followed men like F.F. F. Bosworth, Smith Wigglesworth, people like that whose lives were proven out in time that they were that they were pure, that they were balanced, that they were accurate. And he, he encouraged us, make sure who you, who you follow. Well, I've done the same thing. I've been very careful who I follow. There are a lot of good ministers in the body of Christ today that have good things to say and are doing good things. But many times they don't have a, a life, they haven't lived long enough to see where they're going. And today, it's foolish for people to, to jump on the, the bandwagon and put, put all of their trust and all of their faith in terms of following a ministry and people who have not been proven over time. But I know that when I started following Kenneth Hagin, he was in his late uh, 50s, early 60s, and I followed him the rest of his life. He was 87 whenever, almost 87 whenever he went to be with the Lord. And he, and he lived a pure life. He lived a life of pure doctrine. His, his ministry and his works were, were uh, uh, untainted. There were no scandals in his life. And that's who I followed. Well, that's, we need to be careful who we follow. That's why I've led this church to follow after Kenneth Hagin. Not, not, we follow Jesus, you understand, but as far as a, a, a teacher, someone that we can follow their, their work and their ministry, we follow Kenneth E. Hagin for that reason. Uh, he proved himself. Time has, has proven out the revelations that he received from the Lord and he's had a huge impact on the body of Christ. Like I said, there are a lot of good ministers in the church today and uh, just because someone has a lot of good things going on, just because someone has miracles and healings and, and great things happening, uh, all of these other men did as well but there were some fatal flaws in their character and sometimes uh, you can't discern those things. And so, uh, you know, I give credit to, to people and I, and I acknowledge people. I receive things from a lot of different ministers, but I had one spiritual father. One thing that really uh, impressed me after Kenneth Hagin went home was the people who called him dad and he was their spiritual father. As soon as he went home, they went looking for another dad. I mean, they got up in meetings and said, well, Kenneth Hagin was my spiritual father, but now so-and-so is my spiritual father. You know, you don't get to choose your spiritual father. I said, you don't get to choose your spiritual father. Brother, uh, Paul said, you don't have many fathers. I had three spiritual fathers in my life. One was my natural father, my, my flesh and blood father, my, my dad. 
You know, I was 11 years old when he was killed, but he was a godly man. You know, he only lived to be 42 years old, but he, what he put into our family has lasted down through the years. He was a man of character, a man of integrity, highly respected, highly regarded, and, and his life, even in, in his brief as it was and, and my time knowing him as brief as it was, the legacy that he left my mother and my sisters and my brother and myself uh, has been tremendous. He was, a, he was not only a natural father, he was a spiritual father. My next spiritual father was my pastor, Bud Braddock, F.L. Braddock. Uh, he came into my life when I was 10 years old. He came to the church that I was attending, uh, the church that, that these folks were attending as well. And, uh, uh, you know, he was a, a wonderful pastor to me. As a teenager, I backslid. I got away from the Lord, uh, eventually left the church, you know, and was, and was uh, out, you know, in the world living, uh, you know, an, uh, an unclean life. And when I got back in the fellowship of the Lord in 1972, I came back and Bud Braddock was still the pastor. And even during those, those, those years that I was away from the Lord, he never gave up on me. He always believed in me. He couldn't sanction what I was doing, but he always believed in me and he always had a heart for me. And when I came back, he was there with open arms to welcome me back. And he became a tremendous uh, inspiration to me. And, and an example for me to father, it follow. In fact, I didn't learn pastoral skills at Rama. I didn't learn them from Kenneth Hagin because Kenneth Hagin wasn't a pastor. I learned pastoral skills from F.L. Braddock. I mean, I, I, he just put, he put things into me when I was a teenager, when I was backslidden that I didn't even know he was depositing in me at the time. I used to hang out at his house as, as, as a teenager. His son and I were best friends and, and I slept over at their house and I was around that family. And, and you know, I, I, today in ministry, I'll, I'll, I'll do things and I'll look back and I think, I know where I got that from. I got that from Bud Braddock when I was backslidden. And, and so there were deposits that were made in my life. He was a true spiritual father. And then my main spiritual father was Kenneth E. Hagan. He was the person who taught me about faith, authority, who we are in Christ. And I followed him all of these years. It, it, it's important who you follow. And again, we're not talking about following someone uh, as opposed to following Christ. We're talking about following someone who has a, a, a track record that they followed the Lord faithfully accurately, their, their, their teaching was solid, right on, and, and the fruit of it is just uh, indisputable. And so we'll talk about, I've run out a little uh, of time, but I want to lay a broad foundation uh, because it really, uh, before we're done, it, you'll see what an impact this has on our church going forward. And so I thank you for your uh, rapt attention this morning, uh, most of you except those who were asleep, but praise the Lord. <laughs> Listen to the tape sometime when you're awake, glory to God. <laughs> Glory to God. Let's stand up. Praise God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Glory to God. 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 You have something? Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. God is good. Hallelujah. Glory. Let's just worship the Lord for a minute. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Glory to God. 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 Hallelujah. We worship you, Lord. We honor you today. Hallelujah. We thank you, Father, for the example that you've given us to follow in Kenneth Hagin. We know, Lord, that he was just a man. He wasn't divine. 
He was just an ordinary man. But he had an extraordinary experience with you, an extraordinary depth with you. And I'm grateful, Father, that all through his life and ministry, he always said, you know, I could be wrong because no one's perfect. And he said, if, if what you're hearing from me does not align with the word, then don't listen to what I say, follow the word. He always pointed us to the scriptures. He always pointed us to Jesus. And I'm grateful for that, Father, that he was humble and he, and he lived the Jesus life. He walked in love and walked by faith. He knew his authority in Christ. And he faithfully delivered that that you had given him. And so, Father, we're, we're honored today to have received from that man. We owe a lot to him. We owe a lot to his ministry and his life. The revelations, Lord, that are found in the word of God, that the church has struggled down through the centuries to, to, to maintain these truths. Seems that tradition, Father, has entered in over and over and over and these deep spiritual truths of the scripture get lost over time in the, in the, in the, under the weight of the, of the traditions of men. And down through the centuries, you've raised up these people, Father, to bring restoration, to, re- to bring reformation, to, to cause the church to come back to the simple truths of the Bible. Kenneth Hagin was one of those men, and we're, we're grateful, Father, to have known him, to have experienced fellowship with him, and, and, and to have the wealth of information and teaching and audio, Father, that we have. Father, help us to be good followers of the Lord Jesus Christ as has been demonstrated to us through men like Kenneth Hagin. Glory to God. Father, that we will find our place, fully fulfill the call that's upon our lives. In these last days, Lord, we know Jesus is coming soon. So soon. We have such a work to do. Father, we know that the ministry that you gave Kenneth Hagin pertains to the end times and the last days. And his ministry bears witness to the second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. And the ministry and the message that you gave him and the truths you gave him are the truths for the generation that will usher in the second coming of Christ. And so we stir ourselves up, Lord, to go forward with these wonderful, redemptive realities of who we are in Christ, what belongs to us, the power of the Word of God, the anointing of the Holy Ghost. Father, we we purpose to not be ashamed, to not turn back, to to not allow any other influence cover and, and, and detract from what you gave to us through Kenneth Hagin. We know there's more to learn. We know there's more understanding, more revelation, even as you told us that we would be witnesses of the things we've seen and of the things that you would yet reveal to us. So Father, we, we will faithfully follow all that we receive from you in these last days. Glory to God, and we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen, amen, amen. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Glory to God.
Hallelujah. Well, everybody happy today? Praise God. Let's just lift our hands and thank Him. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Hallelujah. 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 Praise you, Father. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. Hallelujah. You know, Brother Hagen had a, had a real uh, sense. It was more than a sense. I mean, he had a revelation that there was a move of God that had to take place before Jesus returned and that God had given him an assignment to teach not only his generation about faith but about the move of the Spirit and to demonstrate those things. And, and Brother Hagen, before he went to heaven, he was, he was working to bring us to a place in the Spirit. Well, we, we've, we've not fully arrived there. We've not fully arrived there. Brother Hagen saw some things and knew some things that, that uh, the church hasn't fully understood and experienced yet. But, but we're, in, we're destined to do that. We're destined to go to the place that Brother Hagen, by the Holy Ghost, by the Lord Jesus, the place he was leading us to, we're destined to get there. Amen. And just because Brother Hagen went to heaven doesn't mean that we're relieved of the calling to get there. We still have to get there. And, and that's where we're going. I said, that's where we're going. That's where this church is going. We're going into the fullness of, of, of the Spirit of God the, the revelation for these last days, we're going into it fully. We're going to pursue it with everything we have. Glory to God. At Impact Family Church, it is our desire to see you blessed through the power of the Word of God. We have been helping people to change their world for over 25 years through our dynamic ministries and teaching. If you are going to be in the North Central Florida area and are interested in attending our services or just want more information about us, you can visit us online at www.impactfamilychurch.com.